0: Welcome back to The Originals podcast and a debut series finale. We've examined how the iconic Richmond Football Club came to field an elite women's team for the first time in this extraordinary year. A thorny political backdrop, a joyous eventual winning of a women's team licence, and then the team's formation before the Tigers' unforgettable AFL Women's League debut on Friday, February 7, 2020. We've laughed with Sabrina Frederick, cry with Courtney Wakefield, and we've heard the Tigers' trailblazing president, Peggy O'Neill, fire up, remembering her frustration that it took so long for Richmond to join a movement bigger than sport.
1: I was angry, I was, only because I thought it was unjustified.
0: We've also heard Peggy fan out, shadowing her at the Tigers' first AFLW game, and being by her side when Sabrina Frederick booted Richmond's first ever AFLW goal. Yay! (laughs) Well, Sabrina made history, our first goal. They say life's all about timing, and I think they're right. We've also heard Richmond's chief executive, Brendan Gale, share candid reflections on what he's learned personally through all this.
1: I learn a hell of a lot because it forced me to deal and to reckon with my own unconscious bias. I'm a 40-year-old white male that not only played AFL football, played at this club. To that extent it was, you know, was confronting uh, but
0: extremely enlightening. And I'm still not there yet. And his framing of the power and significance of all this in a much broader context. This is
1: women going nuclear. It's, it's, it's just... It's just good.
0: Now, for the final episode... This is your captain speaking? Yep, that's Captain Katie Brennan, KB, a poster player of the AFLW who led the Western Bulldogs for three seasons before changing colours as a coup recruit to Tigerland, saying she couldn't refuse the lure of the yellow and black. Season 2020 didn't go entirely to plan for Katie, but for many reasons, she's a person with great perspective. For this final episode, we're set up again on Zoom. The global pandemic of coronavirus, almost making this communication feel intimate somehow. I'm sitting in a home office in Sydney. Katie's sitting in her gym, KB Performance in Coburg, Melbourne. And as ever, looks the picture of health with a trademark top-not do. Thankfully, COVID-19 hasn't changed everything.
1: I've got a fair bit of regrowth going on at the moment, Sammy. It's, uh, it's been a, a long time between blondes, I must say. <laughs> hey,
0: for me, it's been a long time between hair washes, but I sort of get shamed into it every now and again. Katie, it's so nice to see your face and hear your voice, particularly in these times. Paint the picture of where you are.
1: I'm sitting in the recovery room at the gym. I do have a big green wall behind me so it like, kind of looks like I'm in a bit of a forest but um, yeah, just sort of sitting on the mat here and um, yeah, it's been a one crazy little journey since the end of the AFL women's season but yeah, I, I come here every day to the gym to, to work out and, and keep the business going and um, yeah, it's managing well.
0: I mean originally I sort of saw you coming in as the first player that we spoke to in this series and I kind of... Just love that cosmically it's ended up that you are our bookend, and it's so great to be able to touch base with you at this time because I know, I reckon I can say I know you fairly well, and you're a philosophical, thoughtful person. And so, I want to talk to you about like where we're at just in the world, but also as an athlete and a leader like you are, what that's kind of imbuing in you in your mind, and then reflect on the season that was on and off field for you, for the Tigers, and then project to the competition. Where are we at? And of course we're going to solve the problems of the world and maybe a vaccine to coronavirus by the end of this. Oh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Can we do that? <laughs> How are you?
1: Yes, I mean I'm going really well. It's obviously a really tough time for so many people, um, not only in the, the football industry, but just um, you know, Australia wide and worldwide. It's just crazy and you know, I think every day you sort of pinch yourself as to what we're, we're sort of living through at the moment. Um, but I'm personally managing really well during this time. I'm, I'm really fortunate that I've got the business um, and that I, um, you know, although we, we're sort of not running out of the gym, we can still do outdoor sessions um, and I can sort of have my release and, and train during this time. I've just got um, Harper here with me who is running a bit of a muck at the moment um, within so if you hear some like snorting or crawling around it's it's my little puppy. You probably don't process um, a lot of what is going on in, in your world. You're, you're thinking about um, you know your mates, your teammates, your friends, your family it's um, you know everyone's sort of doing it tough in their own different ways. People have lost jobs and um, you know people are sort of yeah having really challenging times and I think I sort of feel pretty heavily for for those people also but um, I think gratitude's pretty massive during these times and that's what I'm trying to practice it probably hasn't hit home just yet that we're we don't like we don't really know what it's going to look like and you're sort of optimistic that we will be able to play in um, season 2021 20, and when that rolls around as an athlete during these times it's who can who can be their best on your worst days and, and who can make the most of this opportunity going forward. And we had a really good chat, um, to, you know, within the, the team, um, the whole team. So the players and the, and the coaching staff, uh, from parks, our high performance, um, manager last night. And we just talked about the opportunity that we have. And, um, you know, we, we know that we've got a fair bit of work to do the Richmond footy club, where it was our first inaugural year, um, You know, we probably didn't live up to our own expectations of what we wanted the season to look like. And we know that we've got so much potential. So it's a real
0: opportunity to to work really hard during this time. And um, you are a motivated person generally. Is there, like, have there been days where you've woken up and gone, I just, I don't want to run. I don't want to push. I don't want to, and in fact, I want to cry.
1: Yeah well Sammy I went through um, my concussion which was pretty it was a pretty tough time for me Um, so that was in round four that that happened and I definitely had my moments there that was a a pretty um, a pretty tough time like we as a group you know weren't we um, we obviously lost that game against Geelong and um, I missed two games uh, that I couldn't actually even go to, to to see the girls and um, during those two weeks, I was barely at training as well because I had to sort of be in a dark room for most of that time. So I reckon I probably had my my little down period where I was not okay. And I think after a head knock, you you're pretty you're extra emotional. Um, and I was I was pretty devastated that I couldn't be out there with the group. I couldn't I couldn't really contribute a lot as well because I just was not um, my head was not okay. So I've worked through that time and I've been seeing um, like a, a really amazing brain physio who um, has sort of helped me get back to nearly 100% now so I'm back into training but I feel as if after going through that time for it it was probably about six weeks or so um, well I think it's been about eight or so since the head knock so um, it was sort of six weeks and then I could start um, you know like riding every day so I had to get my heart rate up on the bike Um, I had to do these eye exercises that were sort of helping my brain and, and helping the rehab process and And then I could sort of start running again and it was just a, it sort of, um, it was a very different experience to what I've ever experienced with sort of ankle injuries before where the rehab's pretty, um, it's pretty structured and you sort of know what you're going to do every day. But the brain was more like you wake up and um, you're not quite sure how you're going to feel and yeah, it was sort of times where I couldn't go to the cafe, I couldn't, um, you know, they couldn't go to the shopping centre. we couldn't I couldn't go to training that kind of stuff or if I did go to training it would just be for meetings for a couple of couple of hours in the dark so we had to sort of turn the lights off and um and then sort of head home when the girls were out on the track so I reckon that was probably my my little period of um yeah just sort of um (laughs) breaking through the the resilience barrier and and just sort of experiencing something that I um I haven't had a head knock but that bad before um so yeah it was a a pretty sort of tough period
0: how scary was it what you were going through yeah
1: it was um yeah it was scary but it was more frustrating for me like um i think with a brain you can't see like it doesn't show doesn't show you know it's like you have an mri and it shows that your ligaments are torn or you know you've got a quad tear or whatever it's it's more just like um it was more sort of my, my balance my memory um and then just like thumping headaches and and sort of the um, yeah just like the the symptoms of, of everything. I couldn't be in light. I couldn't I couldn't really be in noisy um, kind of noisy um, rooms or anything like that. So it just really stemmed my my sim- symptoms and really sort of brought things on. So even kind of like team meetings where the projector was in front of us, all like artificial light. Because, um, um, Get better every day. You wake up and you think, "Oh, I'm better again." And then the next day, you're better again. You sort of think you're 100, but you're not quite there. And I reckon I'm um, um, I'm pretty much nearly there. Uh, what are we like, sort of eight weeks later? So yeah.
0: Wow. So no symptoms now.
1: Not no, not um, not too bad. Like there's still just some little things. We're doing more um, kind of mm-hmm. higher end rehab at the moment, so it could be like juggling and <laughs> running through. Places really fast you can see me what I'm doing right now but fast head movements and um and real quick sort of eye movement and um yeah just sort of in that end stage rehab at the moment which yeah it's um it's been a a good little journey just to um keep
0: me keep me going during this time I was going to say what a reference point I remember talking to you after it and truly and I don't doubt that you meant it at the time but you said I'll be fine I'll play next week
1: yeah, well, I thought that I um yeah I was out for a while and I was I kind of got up and I was really quite dizzy and um and didn't feel very good. But then I was like, I I want to. We were we were so close to getting up over Geelong during that game and um, we were on a we had so much momentum. And that's a like think about. I just wanted to be out there with the girls and sort of that thought of our first win was it kind of run through my mind because I just remember once once I sort of came to, I was like, Katie, get up, get up, get up. And I was just like willing myself to get up. And um, I, I probably I physically couldn't at the time, but I just, yeah, I was getting, I just thought about where we were and the position we were in and how close we were to um, to hopefully having our, our first win and how much momentum we we gained within that, that third quarter. So, um, yeah, I completed the the dock to let me play the last quarter and, and let me back out there which um yeah um they sort of said that I, I wasn't allowed to go out there and to go to a concussion test and um yeah during the concussion test I, I probably felt um I felt really strange like I my memory wasn't amazing and um I didn't feel right but you sort of just saying now nah, i'll be right and just a, a little head knock and you'll be i'll be back next week and i'll be completely fine and then i sort of got that post that post concussion syndrome um symptoms the, the next morning and just wasn't wasn't okay so i i can't really remember much sort of during what happened and i can't really remember sort of the last quarter or or I actually can't remember talking to you, Sammy, so (laughs) sorry about that. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I don't really remember much sort of from that that whole um, sort of post, um,
0: yeah, post-injury. I think people will want to hear this stuff at at this time about routines and maybe some just lived experience of of your own um, and what are you doing to kind of stay healthy body and mind right now and be as detailed as you wish mm-hmm. and, and maybe also what routines you have needed to let go of. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think for me um, it's going to sleep and waking up at the same time. I think during this period, you don't have anything to get up for sometimes. Like we mentioned, some people aren't working at the moment. Um, and so sort of making sure that you are, um, you know, you're not on your phone too late at night, and you actually are going to bed at a decent time, and still getting your eight to ten hours, whatever whatever sleep you do need. I know that I need a lot more sleep um, than most, so I try and aim for at least eight hours a night. So, and then just getting up at a at, at a time where you you feel comfortable. So, um, I'm always sort of a between between six and and um, probably eight. I, I rise and try and stay in that time. That time frame, I think weekend sort of a bit more of a sleep in, but sleep's so important at these times, particularly with extra stress. And um, you know, I think a lot of people that I know, a lot of clients, a lot of a lot of friends aren't sleeping well during this period, and it can just really put more stress on you. So um, that's sort of the sleep. Um, I'm always big on having a, a water bottle and drinking a whole lot of water. So. I think the girls joke about it a little bit. I always carry a, a boss around with me, a glass bottle. And um, and yeah, just making sure that you're sort of getting your three to four litres of water. So that's massive in my routine too. One thing that I do is I have a spreadsheet going and it's sort of like um, you put in your sleep, how many hours you're getting, your water intake, um, just all the little details that you probably you probably do routinely day to day when you've got a routine. But now we don't have a routine, it's sort of, nice to just refer back to that and sort of tick it off. So for me, it's sort of, um, it could be, you know, my brain exercises, some some core work that I like to do every day um, and just little little bits and pieces that you can physically tick off that you've done every day. And so you just know that you're on the right track. And that's just a bit of my my little OCD mind that I like to um, tick off every every day. I feel incredibly motivated during this time to work on, um, you know, all the things that I've really wanted to work on um, just like with, with Woody and, and with my fitness and my, um, my, my rehab and that kind of stuff. One of my staff members is is great. We've been sort of training um, together here and there and um, doing some sort of skill work as well. And um, yeah, it's just having that, having someone to, to hold you accountable um, or to, to train with during, during this time where it's, it's quite tough. The last piece is connecting, like making sure that you are, um I think a lot of people during this time somewhat brush over how they're really feeling and they don't everyone's going through a similar a similar time. But I think it is really important to make sure that you've got, you know, someone that you are talking to and, oh my, Harper. um, and Harper's got a little Oz kick footy that she's running around <laughs> with to have a kick with me. Um but yeah, just making sure that we're connecting with um with our loved ones and you know, for us, we had a Zoom call last night with the whole, the whole team. So not just the players, like the staff included, because they're, you know, they're having a tough time at the moment as well. Um, so just that kind of stuff is, um, is super important.
0: Let's go to footy, footy focus. Yeah. And it feels like forever ago, and that is actually your decision to, to join this club, to become the first captain of the Richmond AFLW team. And I I recall distinctly that we ran into each other in the car park at Punt Road. And Do you that whatever. <laughs> yeah. Have a good one. Thing, one thing one thing led to another, and, and and I remember just sort of you know kind of innocently asking like, was there a moment that you sort of thought, my gosh, have I done the right thing? Um, you know, even a moment of doubt would be perfectly. Oh, there's your phone. Hey yeah, guys, just on just on that,
1: uh, we've got five minutes left. Apparently, uh, didn't break no, no, no.
0: The voice you're hearing here is our producer, Matt Collada, trustily monitoring things on the other end. Just bear with us while we sort this scenario out. I'll start a new one and um, I'll just email it to you guys. Cool. Hey, do you want a break? No, it's okay. No, okay, okay. cool. Yeah. All right, so we'll log back in, Matt, as soon as we get the link. Perfect. All right. See you soon. I remember that I, I just sort of naively asked you, like, had there been a moment where you'd thought, have I done the right thing? Do you want to share now, like, what you said then?
1: Yeah, I think um, during that conversation, all I just said was um, completely, like there's never been a thought in my mind um, of that I haven't done the right thing. I've, I've just enjoyed the journey so much and. We look back, um, you know, we're sort of at the end of the season now and, um, you know, we didn't win a game and we had our challenges but bloody hell, it's been a whole lot of fun. Like, um, we're a club that really values um, enjoyment and the fun factor and connection and I've never had more fun playing footy before and um, although the the season was tough, we had, you know, personally, I had... um, Noisy in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs>
0: as crazy as it gets. I promise. In. There are some. Uh, um, you
1: know, yeah, but but we're just we're on a we're we're on one amazing journey, and God, we're we're so well supported. Like um, the amount of work that. That Kate and Tommy and Parks um, and Loz and Sarah put into the program, being sort of more of the, the full timers. And then on top of that, our, our docs, our support staff, um, our property people like, they're just, they're just phenomenal. Like, there's such a, a great group of people that are just so invested in, um, in our program and, and the success of the program. And, you know, um, I think in a, a really perfect world, richmond would have won a few more games and um and had a a really great season but i think you know just going through this another little setback and another challenge for us just makes us hungrier and it brings us closer together so um yeah there's not one doubt in my mind about about moving to the club and i've just um you know even the investment from some of the, the people within the club, um,
0: like Dimmer. Dimmer is Damien Hardwick, coach of the men's senior team at Richmond, and apparently nicknamed Dimmer because he likes Dim Sims, but that's another convo, on another pod.
1: You know, one of my first mornings in the gym, um, Lepper.
0: Lepper is another member of the men's coaching panel, and also a retired playing champ.
1: Came and and. Um, you know, we just said, I've got 30 minutes, what do you want to work on? And I just, like, that was phenomenal for me. That was just massive that we had a little chat and we did some touch together and did some body work and it's just the people within this organisation are, um, are what make it, you know, so good and so successful but so connected as well. And
0: One of the storyline themes, you know, off-field, I guess, as well as on-field of, of season four... AFLW, was actually your old club, the Bulldogs. And I wonder, as the former captain of that club, how did you manage that as someone who had actually moved on? I was so heavily invested
1: in the Bulldogs and they'll always hold such a great, um, you know, a great deal of love in in my heart, that club, and and all those people as well. It's not like when you split from a club, you just sort of walk away and, and the emotion just there like your question prior was do I have any regret regret and that's completely not but do I still have feeling and um you know is there a great love for the club and the people completely like I've still got some of my best friends to play at the Bulldogs and you know when they go through tough periods of time you um you want to be there for them you want to support them and um and you sort of know you, you can you can um resonate a little bit you know what it what it feels like so um, yeah, it's definitely a chapter that um, I decided to, to close, but it's not one that I I don't look back on fondly, and it's not one that I um, you know it's it's made me who I who I am. It's um, we've had some really amazing people and amazing times at that club, and um, yeah, you sort of feel for the period that they're in, but footy turns around
0: so quickly. How would you articulate it now, Katie? Why? It was the right decision for you, the best decision for you, to to go somewhere else.
1: The whole the whole sort of idea around it is to um, it was to find a a new love for, for footy again and have a, a new um, I guess a, a new chapter, a, a new adventure, and um, to start something fresh. And I felt that I really needed that um, in order to to continue sort of playing the game and and to get the love back for it again. And I feel that um, although we, again, had some challenges this year that I've felt that I've played um, you know some games where I've actually loved sort of being out there and there's training sessions that I I, I really did love. So um, we're on such an amazing journey at this club. And um, yeah, I am so heavily invested and and can't wait to see what we can do
0: in, in future years to come. And in part, I'm imagining to really physically shelve that grand final that you couldn't play for the dogs, I'm imagining. Was it just that fully that is past?
1: Yeah, I think that
0: was a, a part
1: of it that was sort of, um, yeah, hanging hanging on, on my head in a way and... Um, I felt as if yeah, that was. It's been. Um, I feel like I don't sort of think about it as much anymore. And um, and yeah, just the the new new colours, the fresh start, the new people. It's just been um, yeah, really really amazing.
0: If you could have scripted this Richmond season and the one your first one as captain, I, there are a few subplots that you definitely wouldn't have put in the script. Um, but from what happened, what what would you name as the highlight?
1: Just uh, playing the first game. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't come away with the four points and, and we didn't get any points during the season, but to know that there was a whole lot of girls um, that had never experienced AFL women's before and never played, um, you know, in AFL Colours for premiership points, that was massive. Like that was, there was so much energy in the room. Um, and it was just a a really phenomenal night. Like, um, I feel as if we, um, yeah, we really uh, made an impact on, on a lot of these girls that did get to debut. Um, but we also made a a big impact on sort of a club that has a, a real rich history and we sort of, yeah, wrote another chapter within that history book and that's just massive for the people involved. Um, you know, we, the first podcast was about the submission and how, um, you know, how how much work went into Peggy and um, and Brendan trying to get, you know, a women's team at the Richmond
0: Football Club. Katie's talking about episode one of the originals here. And I promise you, we didn't ask her to do it. Thanks, Katie. Well,
1: it's just like, I think all of those, even hearing that story just give, gave me goosebumps of of how, how much um, the club wanted a team and um, and from the very beginning as well. And it, it showed with how invested they were and, and how connected they were to our program. I probably didn't mention one major party, which was Neil Balm, um, who was massive for us during, during the season. And, um, you know, he, there were some tears apparently when we, we played a, a first game and it was just really... Um, really big for us, um, as long as, as well as so many other people within um, within the club. I, I can't
0: not raise what was I imagine the most scrutiny, although maybe maybe that Bulldogs grand final was the most. But um, mm-hmm. one of the chief football writers in the competition, Mark Robinson, writes a story about you and dissects your game at one point i remember it even caused damien hardwick to to comment and and say you know we we want to support katie so again you i it, clearly it's up to you to share what you will but um that was it struck me as a big a big moment
1: yeah it was massive and um i think it was a pretty sort of a a bit of a, a time where there was many emotions, there was a bit of anger, there was like a bit of frustration. I felt like the best thing for me was to process it, talk to the right people within the program and, and within the club and um, and sort of, yeah, move through that time with the support of, of all the girls and, and just sort of come out firing. So I feel as if that was a, it was certainly a sort of low point, um, but at the same time I'd played two games and moved to a new club. You know, my focus was, sort of on the girls and and really trying to, you know, play as as good a footy as I could at that point. I was so, so well supported during that week. Um, You know, like um, Tommy, Tommy was great. He just sort of gave me a a call and a couple of, um, we had a couple of chats just about the fact that, um, you know, he had my back and um, that, um, that I was so sort of well supported within the club and, and where we're going and what, what, um, you know, what I was doing as a player and, and as a leader. So that was really big for me. Um, Kate was the same. Um, and a lot of the girls, they were, they were just so great during that, that time. Um, so, yeah, I felt really well supported and, and it was all about, you know, the actions moving forward, what, what you can do to continue to sort of play your role for, for the group. And my role was very different this year. And
0: was there anything in the scrutiny that was a good point that you took and went, yep, okay, fair?
1: Oh, well, I would be the first to say that I, I'm not playing my best footy and I wasn't playing my best footy. So I think um, for me, it was just, you know, I already knew that. I'm, like, I'm my biggest critic. And I've had one article written about me that, you know, there's boys out there, like we referred back to Tommy Lynch and how many articles were written about him in, you know, he had four or five games into the season and, and people were saying he was the worst recruit. So it's... um you sort of have to put it all into perspective in a way and, and you use you use it going forward, you know, that um, you want to prove them wrong and you want to sort of work on your craft to, to be better but it's also um, a bit
0: of like water off the duck's back in a way. You might not have intellectualised it this way but perhaps selflessly, if it was going to happen to anyone in your team, you might yeah. have been like, well, okay, great, turn it on me because I'm actually, I'm going to be okay and, yeah. um, you know... That, yeah, than some kid um, yes. who, yeah might, might not be able to have the perspective that you've just demonstrated here
1: yeah that's it and like I said it was a, a, a pretty tough time and there was a bit of self-reflection but at the same time it just makes you hungrier like I don't yeah. know if Mark Robertson really watches that much women's footy and knows the ins and outs of it but at the same time like you just know that um you're working hard you're you're sort of playing a role for, for the group and um, and that you know it's in my it's in my intention to get better and better and, and be able to play um, my best footy and that's you know sort of the direction that I'm going to to really make an impact for, for our girls what kind of
0: constructive feedback can you give either in terms of coaching um, and the program in general how how would you suggest that it can improve
1: i talked to Kate. And Tommy on a, a sort of a regular basis just about how our group's going and, and sort of reporting um, back via the players to, to them. But it is just about, um, yeah, we, we really need to um, to raise the standard. We need to, um, you know, we talked about the North Melbourne where they're a few years into the competition. and Yes, they've got some really incredible talent, but that, that is the benchmark and it's how we fast track our group of girls to get to, to that point. And, um, yeah, what what do we need to do within this time in order to do that? So it's the teams that stay the most connected and work the hardest during this period of time are the ones that are going to come out on top and those that are willing to do more than the other groups. And I think from the, the disappointment that we had, um, you know, during this season, you just you get a bit of fire in the belly in order to um, to get better and collectively as a, a group take a, a massive step forward. So. Um, that's sort of been my feedback and, and we've, we've started to do that already. I don't think we're far behind. Like I don't come away from that season just saying that, um, you know, there's a massive hole in the, in the program and, and we're leaps and bounds behind. It's not the case at all. Like we, There was two games or three games where we, we, could have, we could have won and we started to play some footy that um, will project us forward
0: in, in the future. Did you think that it was the right decision that AFLW was just stopped? Ultimately, was it, no one's satisfied with it, but was it the right decision in your view?
1: Yeah, I think um, everyone's going to be different in this opinion. And um, I felt as if, like, when we were having conversations with the PA, we were, Richmond were pretty irrelevant within the conversation. We weren't making finals and, um, you know, we, we wanted to play out our last games for the development of the girls, but at the same time it was the health and safety that sort of came first for for everyone. So I don't know in my opinion, if I was a sort of a frio at the top of the ladder, I wouldn't have wanted to go straight to a grand final and that's me personally. like I know sort of um, probably Juddy and and the other girls would have a, a very different um, a different, perspective um, knowing the challenges that they've been through over the last sort of three seasons and and getting up there to to be in prime position to win a flag but um, I don't know I would I would want to feel as if I've gone through a full a full final series in order to play a grand final um, but everyone is very different it's a, a really a really difficult discussion but I think that the um, yeah the AFL sort of
0: did the right thing in the end. Is there any way that you think that we could yet get a premiere for 2020?
1: Um, I don't think so. I feel as if, um, you know, we're, we're in the time frame where, um, you know, the girls have deloaded, um, and it takes a, a lot of, a lot of work to sort of get back unless we had an eight week preseason again, which, um, you know, isn't a lot of time, but we've got girls returning to, um, you know, Um, to Ireland we've got girls that have sort of gone home and we've been out of the system so I do think this year has a an asterisk against it um, and and no premier which is is really unfortunate but at the same time um, yeah it's it's sort of one that was out of our control.
0: What should the priority be for AFLW as a comp and if you could make one massive change well or it's a small change but your what would you give this comp?
1: Oh, um you know the whole landscape of the AFL and the AFL women's may change due to to this pandemic and, and where we play our season like does it line up with the boys going forward? Um I, I really don't know and I think it's the golden question. But if I could change anything it would probably be um I've always said this to sort of make our season longer. I think that the whole conversation around, you know, the product of, of women's football and where it is, like we saw with four new teams coming in, that the product just getting sort of better and better. And I think we're, we're playing um, really good footy. And it also gives, you know, so many girls an opportunity within the elite environment. So um, my my thing would be to make the season longer and either make it pre Christmas if we stay in the summer um, and, and make it longer in that respect or, than it is we go into the winter series and play, um, with the boys. So yeah, I don't know how, how it will look, but, um, it's going to be yeah quite
0: interesting going forward. So wave that magic wand. How many games would you like for 2021?
1: Well, I guess it's, it's sort of already locked in, but if I did have a, a magic wand, it would just be to, to sort of play everyone once. Um, I think it's, it's a, a tough one where, um, you know, you, you never want to cannibalise the product and you want, you want bums on seats and, and you know, you want sponsors and all these things that make our, our game possible. But we also want to play footy and, and I think, you know, you can't um, – you, you know how much work it takes and how much money it takes. But at the same time, I think, um, you know, most girls across, across the league Um, just want to want to be able to play more games and have more time
0: within that environment I actually genuinely think that even if there were things set for next year everything can be changed it can be reimagined we've we've seen it like we're still seeing it does it start pre-Christmas for 2021 for AFLW or would you would you merge it with Mens playing in tandem in I think a vision that we share one day for the AFLW not too far away where the integration is um, making everyone and everything stronger. Mm,
1: I do I think I've I've always had a vision and I think it's probably the traditionalist coming out in me of um, I'm a, a Queenslander and I love playing in the summer but at the same time just to play sort of a whole year um, you know in tandem with the boys in the in the winter. I'll would just be um, it would just be not restricted by games or time because we have we have so much time and I know there's the I guess the um, the whole conversation around we attract the, the media and and would be be able to get bums on seats and and all that that kind of finer details that um, you know even I I've always talked to Nicole Livingston about it and getting insight into how hard it is just so you understand um, sort of both sides of the visionary and, and um the football lover wanting to play every game but also somehow um how many details do go into the whole process and and how hard it is for those guys um but it would be yeah to to play sort of over that winter maybe curtain raises traveling with the boys that kind of stuff um i think and it like you said it, it could be possible who knows
0: who knows and that's that's where we're going to leave this Because no one really knows what's going on right now. We don't know when men's are playing. We don't know when women's are playing. But if there is anything that you want to close this with in terms of a final word, a final memory, go ahead and and share it.
1: I'll probably end by just saying thank you to all the people that were involved in the program and also who sort of were our supporters from afar. I think, you know, the people within our program worked tirelessly to to make it what it is and to build the connection that we have. And, you know, that's people within the club who have embraced a new women's team coming in and the changes that that come along with that, you know, from Barmy to Livo to Dimmer to all of the, the coaching staff. They've been amazing. You know, Brendan and Peggy for, for fighting so hard for it. All of our girls, all of our players who have worked so hard during this period of time as well and the boys for embracing us. But, yeah, last of all, just the support supporters along the way, the friends and family that support us within our sort of inner circle and partners, and but also the, the Tiger Army who um, we love so much and, you know, we, we want to work hard to, to sort of do them proud and, and to make sure that, you know, this is just the, the first chapter of, of many more to come on our AFL women's journey. So just to know that we're heavily invested and that we're working really hard during this time and that we'll come back bigger and better.
0: Thank you so much. It's been a ride to date and so much more to come.
1: No worries, Sammy.
0: Thanks for having me. Enjoy ISO life between now and (laughs) then. Well, that brings this 10th episode of the originals to a close. Drawing the curtain on the debut series. I can't tell you if there'll be more in future. What I can say is it's been a joy being involved in what's been done. Bringing it to life with a gorgeous tribe of people has been a sheer delight. To be trusted in the pilot seat has been an honour. The man I'm thanking first will shake his head now, but Richmond's veteran media exec cannot manage this. Simon Matthews, thank you for prioritising the existence of this podcast, for sharing the vision. But when our first episode hit number one on the Apple iTunes charts for Australian Sports podcasts, no one was more responsible. Simon invested in the project. Elizabeth Yore edited that first episode painstakingly. Thank you, Lizzie. Andrew Costa cared so much about narration records that I worried at one point that I'd never get them right. I loved working with him too. Ash Cagle took beautiful photos and did graphic design, capturing our subjects to an expert tee. Josh Berriman tied up all the multimedia package threads and appeared nothing other than controlled and can do the whole way through. To Peggy O'Neill, Brendan Gale, Kate Sheehan, Neil Balm, Shiloh Curtis, Rhett Bartlett and Emma Race, Thank you for your insightful and bravely honest story sharing in the opening two episodes. To the special guests who joined us on a technical adventure in episode three at Richmond's first ever AFLW game, thank you. The Governor of Victoria, Linda Desso, Kevin Bartlett, Jess Kennedy, Tanya Hosh, Mike Sheehan, Gillian McLaughlin, and the many others that joined us there. Then our feature pod subjects, Tom Hunter, Sabrina Frederick, Courtney Wakefield, Sophie Molan, Akesh Makur-Chut, Monique Conti and lastly, Katie Brennan. Each of them shared stories and feelings they'd not tabled publicly before and in doing so, they brought the heartbeat of this new breed of tiger to life. Richmond didn't win a match in first AFLW season but that's only a matter of time and I'm already imagining the roar. Five final thanks to Ian Gall, seemingly unflappable, and an expert producer in the Tiger family. To Matt Collada, AKA Pina Collada, who captains so much, from fundamental logistics to deft editing. Thirdly, and it's broad, thank you Richmond. Dipping in and out of Punt Road to make this pre-coronavirus lockdown, I observed a lot about what makes you a model sporting club and organisation. Summarising that, I'd point to the smiles on the faces of the people who turn up to Tigerland to work. Here's my wrap: We are all so much better for having AFLW, and the AFLW effect is only growing and deepening. To the humble warriors who, over decades, slugged out hardships and heartache, and were the subjects of sexism rather than the great celebration we see today, eternal and heartfelt thanks. I'm Sam Lane. And lucky last thanks goes to you for listening. And now, for the last time, sign off, Brendan Gale.
1: If you like what you hear, share it with your friends, family, footy fans, even someone who thinks they don't like footy.
0: And final word, or maybe two, from Tigers president, Peggy O'Neill. Go Tigers!